Hello, and welcome to Never Seen It, a podcast where we watch movies that we haven't seen yet, and then we talk about them. I'm one of your hosts, Betsy, and with me is my co-host and husband, Trent. Hi, Betsy. Merry Christmas. Merry Crimbo. <laughs> uh, today, we're continuing our holiday movies, so we're a few days before Christmas when this gets released, and we are watching the classic, the movie I'm astonished at this point you still haven't seen, and certainly the oldest one we have watched to date for this podcast. By far. By far. We are watching It's a Wonderful Life. Mm -hmm. So this movie came out in 1946, yes. as I said, placing it firmly as the oldest movie we have watched. The year my father was born. <laughs> so Trent, why is it that you have never seen It's a Wonderful Life? There's not really an answer to this question, Betsy. Because it's it's not that I wouldn't like it. It's not that, you know, I, I have anything against Christmas or anything like that. I'm not even sure if it's really a Christmas movie. I mean, I don't really know much about it to begin with. So, I don't know. I really don't know the answer to this question. I don't go out of my way to go and watch very, very old movies just because, oh, it's, it's a classic, it's a revered movie. I'm not a film historian. So I don't feel it's my job to be going out and doing this stuff. But we are doing a podcast where we're watching movies that we've never seen. It's the holidays. What better way to get me to watch this damn movie than <laughs> to watch It's a Wonderful Life for this holiday series. Now, to be completely fair, I didn't see this movie till I was in high school, I think. Okay. This is one they show on NBC yeah. every Christmas Eve. Yeah. And one year, I finally decided... I'm going to sit down and watch this. And I loved it. Oh my God. I love this movie so much. I have seen this movie now in the theater uh, at least once, if not a couple of times. I went and took this. They, they usually show it around the holidays at different theaters. Mm -hmm. And I went and bought myself like a cup of cocoa and sat alone in a theater on a Wednesday. <laughs> so you do things like that. I, that's, that's something that would seem silly to me. Oh, but it was such a joy and it's such a nice warm movie. So I, I don't blame you for never having seen it, but it has been on my bucket list for many years now mm -hmm. to get you to watch this. So I'm glad I finally have an excuse. Okay. So. The next question, obviously, this is a movie that has been around for a huge amount of time. This is a movie that is beloved. It is a movie that is referenced. Mm -hmm. It is in the pop culture. So what do you know or what have you gleaned about this movie? So it's Jimmy Stewart. It is Jimmy Stewart. And I think, is it one that, it's not his first movie, is it? No, far from it. He was it. very much established at this point. Yes. Okay. Obviously, it is around the holiday season, Christmas time. He has a family. Does he work for a bank? Kind of. And I think there's like, is it like a period piece where it's back when there was a, like a run on the banks and people were like worried about their money and something like that? That does play a part of this movie. Yeah. So I don't know where, where this is, if this is like modern day 1946, or if this is like back in the 20s and 30s, when there's a lot of financial issues going on. Okay. So I know that that is part of it, but I have a feeling that there's, is it the trope that I'm going to show you what your life would have been like if you were never born? It, it, I, I think it's something to do with that. I'm almost doing my 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 Jimmy Stewart impression. <laughs> what 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 what? You're yeah. just a little squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But I have seen precious few Jimmy Stewart movies. Again, you haven't watched a lot of movies Mm-mm. from this era to begin with, the Mm-mm. golden age of Hollywood and all yeah, that. Yeah, and and again, there's no real reason for it. It's not that I, I don't want to... I don't want to educate myself. Like I would love to go back and see like Casablanca and mm-hmm. um, like we started to watch Mr. Smith goes to Washington. We watched like the first half of that. I don't know the reason why we never went back to it, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested in, in, in seeing it and how it's depicted and what I can gleam from it that I know from the rest of pop culture. Yeah, I think what you're going to find is you spend half of this movie recognizing scenes, not because you've watched this movie, but because yeah. other people have you've seen it in other them. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, and there's definitely some iconic like shots and things. If you know what this movie is, you can see a still shot and identify. Oh, that's from It's a Wonderful Life. Mm. Uh, yeah, and like last night we were talking about this. One of the actors you mentioned has the last name Barrymore. Oh yeah, there is there is a connection there to the Barrymore family. But yeah. as far as other actors go, uh, I am skeptical. You will know a single person in this movie just Probably. given its age. Probably uh, the director is Frank Capra. Yeah, I was gonna say it's Cap. It's a yep. Capra joint. Yep, and he also directed. Uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Mm -hmm. So this is actually, I think, the third movie he'd made with Jimmy Stewart uh, between this and You Can't Take It With You. Okay. So this is a very established duo. Yeah. Um, Any other thoughts? Anything else? I don't think so. All right. I'm ready. Well, we're going to go and watch It's a Wonderful Life, and we will be right back. So Trent, is it a wonderful life? It was. It was? Yeah. What did you think? What were your feelings? I can see how this is considered an all-time classic. Uh, Less of a a traditional Christmas movie, but also at the same time, it is the most traditional Christmas movie. So here's a fun fact about this movie. Alright. The studios had incredibly little faith in this movie, and it was released in July. All right. <laughs> so this seminal Christmas classic yeah. came out in the middle of the year, but it became very, very successful mm-hmm. and has just lived on yeah. for 70 years. Yeah. 70 plus. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It, it makes sense. I mean, the studios being stupid is not a, not a new thing. <laughs> so. <laughs> they usually back the wrong horse. Yeah. But, you know, again, me not really seeing a lot of Jimmy Stewart movies, I think he was really, really good uh, in this. I <laughs> Jimmy Stewart has a lot of charm, especially this yeah, era where right. he's, like, in his prime. Mm-hmm. He's just adorable. <laughs> he is. And the thing that I think was the most, I don't know, jarring isn't the word, but he doesn't smile the entire movie until the very end. Or he smells very little. Sure. Yes. He's, I wasn't looking for it. He but is not full of joy. No. Until the end of the movie. And that is because he's miserable most of the movie. Or at least on some level, a little bit miserable. Yeah. He's he's low-key miserable. But at the same time, 
you know, he's doing the things that he knows he should do and he's doing things for other people and, you know, he lives a good life. He lives his entire life as the oldest son mm-hmm. being responsible for everybody else who never does anything for him. Right. And he's very resentful of that fact. Inwardly, anyway. Inwardly. I don't, he's not very outwardly outwardly uh, resentful no. of that thing. He sucks it up and he does what has to be done. Yeah, it's it's very much the... I am going to be the responsible one, but at the same time, I know what I'm doing is the right thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not bitter about it. But he is. That's the thing. He, There's a part of him that is very resentful, and there's something that triggers all of that resentment all at once. I suppose. Because, yeah, he's when he's a kid, he's talking yeah. about, I'm going to be an explorer, and I'm going to be an adventurer. When uh-huh. he's a young adult, he says, I'm going to Europe, and I'm going to see everything there is to see, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to go to college, and then I'm going to build things, and I'm going to change the world. So yeah. he's a dreamer. He has these sure. huge dreams, and he lives in this podunk little town in New York, and he hates it there, and he has to get out because he feels like he's being smothered. And life keeps getting in the way. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole point of this is, you know, first it's his dad has a stroke. Yeah. And they're going to close down his business, which is the only place in town that people can go without crawling to Mr. Potter. Yeah. Who's the old miser of the story. Mm-hmm. And so he stays to save his father's dream. Mm -hmm. And then he gives his money to his little brother who gets to go off to college and become an all-American football star. Mm -hmm. And then when he comes back from college, he thinks it's my turn. I'm going to go to college. But then his brother gets a job. And so he stays longer. Then he falls for the girl. And it's not that he doesn't love Mary. He definitely loves Mary. But he doesn't want to get tied down. He's begrudgingly (laughs) going along with what is put before him. Mm -hmm. Even though he's got dreams of much, much higher goals. Yep. He marries the girl and they're going to go on this big trip that he's continued to talk about for 10 years. Life gets in the way. And then the banks crash. And yeah, life gets in the way. And the whole time he is thinking everything is shit and I am garbage and my life is terrible and it would be better if I just fucked off and died. (laughs) Right. Because he's facing... A pretty big piece of adversity here. Yeah, $8,000 in 1946 money. That's huge. That's a lot of money. That's huge. From a time they were actually really successful, you know, mm-hmm. post-World War II, right. coming right out of the war. Mm-hmm. That was like some of the most fruitful time in American history. Sure, for banking and rebuilding uh-huh. and, and all sorts of stuff. Yep. So they go from everything is great to... We're screwed. Yeah. Today. Because of one mistake. Mm-hmm. Which is a pretty big one. Yes. Forgetful Uncle Billy. Yeah. <laughs> He's sweet but stupid. <laughs> yeah. So it's all about appreciating what you have mm-hmm. and realizing that life isn't so bad when you stop and think about it. I, I think that is one of the main messages. But I think the the message that I got more out of it than that is... You know, being a good person, having friends, having, you know, people who appreciate you, whether they are outward about it or not, having that there, having that support system in case you fall on hard times. He has never really been on hard times. No. You know, your parents are going to die. Yep. Most likely while, while you are alive. Um, you're lucky that you can actually fall into a career like this mm-hmm. that your father helped build. 
Um, even if you didn't want it. Even if you didn't want there. it, it's there. And a lot of times, like people these days, they, they just take something like that for granted. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to fall into this and I'm just it's going to be a gold mine for me. No, you kind of have to work for it. But at the same time, he taught his, his son that, you know, this isn't just a money-making venture. Yeah. I'm not here just to squeeze as many dimes out of this place as I can. I'm helping people. You know, people, like, these are we're all working class people. They don't make a lot of money. They're in a small town and a factory, uh, like, factories close. They have a factory that goes out of business sure. and half the town goes out of work. Right. And, you know, not everybody has the money to be buying a house. So what do they do? They go to the to the slumlord, mm-hmm. going to Potter. And literally, they call it, what, a Pottersville, Pottertown or Potter's something? Field or Pot- something. Whatever it is. And... Yeah, it's like a it's like a bunch of shitholes that people just pay rent to over and over and over again and they and they're not building anything. Yep. And even in these days, housing was a problem. <laughs> sure, but it's still a problem now, you know, where you live, you you usually end up paying way too much for rent. And in these sure. days, you know, right after the depression, ain't nobody got any money. Yeah. People he, were struggling for a long time. And he even says that even as a banker like the owner or manager or whatever of a bank, he makes $45 a week. That's like $2,300 a year. Again, in 1946 money, but when he's offered 20000 right. 20000 He about drops a cigar in his lap. Almost 10 times as much money yep. as what he currently makes on a personal level. But at that point, he would have to give up his almost charity. Like he'd, he's he'd almost sell- running a charity here. He'd be selling out his father's dream. And he would be selling that out. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, his father was the one who instilled in him the fact that Potter is no good. Don't be like him. Mm-hmm. He's just an old crotchety miser who all he wants to do is own everything. Yeah. And it's a it's a commentary on capitalism. It's a commentary on housing and the costs the, the cost that, you know, capitalism capitalists will impose on people because they can. Yeah, when the market crashes, yeah. the banks come calling. Yeah. He says, you know, Mr. Potter's out there buying while we're all panicking yeah. because he isn't panicking. They're taking advantage. He sees an advantage. Yeah, they, yeah. Ta- they take advantage of the crash that happened in 29 and they've got all the cash. Right. So guess what they do? They buy, start buying everything up because everybody else is struggling. Everybody else is going out of business and they can get it for cheap. Yep. They're, they're, they're buying the dip, as they say in these days. And finally, things are starting to get a little bit better. He's still wanting to take advantage of people down on their luck. Mm-hmm. And that's shit. Yeah, he's a monster. <laughs> he's he the really monster is. of the piece. He really and he has is. no redemption arc. Uh-uh. He is terrible at the beginning, he's terrible in the middle, mm-hmm. and he is still terrible at the end. Yeah. Because even after the resolution of the movie, you still have to deal with Mr. Potter being a terrible yeah. miser. Yeah. And you could you could take parallels of that to all sorts of other market crashes throughout the, the, the decades since. Mm-hmm. Even now. People Pand- see an opportunity to make money, they'll Pandemic. take it. Pandemic. All these fucking billionaires out there oh, just yeah. made more money. Mm-hmm. Because they have a support system behind them that supports people trying to get much, much richer. For people like us, there is no support system or safety net or anything like that that is going to help us out of, out of, out of uh, dire straits. Mm-hmm. I mean, the two of us are lucky. 
Neither of us lost our jobs. Neither of us had any kind of hardships. We know plenty of people who did, But we know plenty of people who did. So it's, it's those messages that I think are resonating for me more. It's be a good person. And if you are struggling, other people will come to help you. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's the phrase Capra-esque. Mm. And that comes from Frank Capra and movies like this. All his movies are like this, where yeah. it's kind of the little guy yeah. who falls on hard times but defeats adversity. Mm-hmm. And it's the David and Goliath thing. Yeah. And they have happy endings. Because they make you feel warm inside. So that's kind of the the vision and the goal here is Mm -hmm. it doesn't always have to suck. (laughs) Even if you think it sucks, does it really? Right. Maybe you could come through to the light at the end of the tunnel. Exactly. And he doesn't even consider going out and trying to ask people for help because he's never had to do it before. Everybody always comes to him. Yep. And that's kind of his own pride, too. It is. It is. He doesn't want to ask for things. Yeah, I would be He'll the same way. I would be the same way. Mm-hmm. I never want to ask for anything, but people, you know, in, in my life, they have come to help me out, even yeah. though I didn't ask them to. Yeah, so. that's the thing. They'll do it without being asked if they know. Yeah. They just have to know. They just have to know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So his wife goes out and starts telling people, it's like, oh, shit. So the entire town comes together and brings a basket full of money saying, oh, George is in trouble? I'm going to help out George because I would be homeless without him. I would have lost this. I would have lost that. Oh, my God. I need to go and help George. Well, and that's a small town. He literally spends the whole movie. He knows every single person's name. Yeah, he knows everybody, and they all know him. There's Bert. And Ernie. And Ernie. (laughs) Fun little nugget in case none of you ever put that together. Right. (laughs) Bert, the cop, and Ernie, the taxi driver. There's Violet, the town flirt who can't really get her life together. There's... You know, Mr. This and Mr. That and Mrs. This and mm-hmm. you at the bar and you over here. He knows every single person in this town and has mm-hmm. one way or another helped them all out. Yeah. And even, you know, like his little brother. The only reason his brother gets to be successful is because of what he gives up. He gives up going to college. So he hands over that money to Harry. Mm-hmm. Harry gets to be an all-American football player. Uh-huh. When the war comes, he has an injured ear and he can't enlist. He right. can't go and do that. So he, but he stays still helps home out. and he does the the rubber drives and mm-hmm. the can drives yep. and anything and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the night guards. What, what do they call that? The air wardens, air raid wardens. Air, air raid, yeah. Yep. He's doing that. And meanwhile, Harry gets to go off and win the Congressional Medal of Honor mm-hmm. as a pilot right. who shoots down 15 enemy planes. Right. And, and all and, of that because of him. Well, and it's because he saves him. Yeah. When he when they were children in in 1919. Yes. There's a couple of questions about the timeline in this movie that I think are left a little goosey loosey goosey. Okay. Uh, so like, they they say it starts in 1919 when he's 12. Yeah. Uh, and then, on the wall at the dance, it says class of 1928. Mm-hmm. The assumption is 1929 is when the crash of the market happens, where all that is. Right. But they've already sent Harry to college, which would put this firmly in 1932. So I'm not entirely sure the ripples, like if that was a different well, crash or just there were a different, crash. There were different crashes. Yeah. The 29 one was, was the biggest one, but it was tumultuous for years after that. That's what, yeah. I was watching it going, 
wait, if yeah. it was 28, right. and then they all go to college, which is four years, right. and then this happens. <laughs> right, and, and I don't know back then, how, like, how many years that you're in, like, you know, primary school, high school, college. I don't know what years that all happens. At, at what age did you go? Like, yeah. were there more years of like public schools i mean most kids graduated by the time they were like 17 yeah i I don't think people went to school for as long back then maybe not maybe not i just assume applying some math it's at least more than a year (laughs) yeah i I get that i get that but it's it's good to remember that oh this is a different time this is a hundred years ago (laughs) right right so one of the things that i'm always looking at in these movies is how much especially back in these days in the 1940s when they're making a movie that takes place over about 20 years 20 25 years yeah (laughs) the times they care to make it look period accurate and the times Uh, they just don't give a shit yeah (laughs) it looks like the 1940s this entire movie of course it does (laughs) and i love that i don't i know it's not accurate but i Mm -hmm. really don't care yeah i'm looking at it it's like 1919 and all these kids look like it's 1946 yes exactly (laughs) So, and the thing I pointed out while we were watching it was, you know, his dad is depicted when he's a, when he's a child, his dad is depicted the exact same way. Like oh yeah. 10, Jimmy Stewart is playing like years 20 later. years old yeah. when he is first dem- shown as an adult. Right. He's supposed to be like 20, 21. Right. But his dad looks identical. And yeah. I said, okay, that guy looks way too old to be the father of a fucking eight year old or but, however old he is. But I will argue this too. Well, he was supposed to be 12 at the beginning. He did look I will, 12. I will argue this too. Have you ever just looked back at pictures of like your grandparents or other people who grew up in like their, their senior yeah. class photo they, from they the got 40s haggard and 50s? early in life. They all look so much older than their actual age. Like yeah. if I look at a teen now, yeah. they look like teeny little babies. But you look at the class photo, class of 1942, they all look like they're about 45 years old. <laughs> so you're saying we should give Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield a break <laughs> for looking like their 20s and 30s in high school do you yes i guess so <laughs> i guess fine it was so long ago betsy <laughs> i have i have beef i have beef uh but yeah so it's a funny little touch how it's like um we'll give you a slightly different bow tie <laughs> yeah but that's really it they don't and really again make it look... it, they made it in the 40s i'm yeah. not i'm not ever going to People you didn't know. care about accuracy in those days. No, it's just, hey, he's the father. Yeah. Doesn't matter how old the kid is. Well, not is. even just him, like the whole thing. Yeah. It's the wrong cars and the wrong clothes yeah, even, for the era. He, well, yeah, and, and even the pharmacist doesn't age in that time, too. Right. The only person who actually really looks like they age in this movie is Jimmy Stewart. And they give yeah. him, like, some gray in yeah. his hair. Yep, 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 I did notice that. Yep, and they, they make him look pretty haggard by the end of the movie because he has had a shit. 12 hours <laughs> running around without his coat drinking and getting and like, in fights like looking at his face like his surprised look just was like darts in my eyes like his his white eyes oh that really close-up shot yeah 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 yeah, there's some cool shots in this movie. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's 1946, so it's not like they couldn't have done this in color. They absolutely sure. could have. Sure. But this was still that decade where they were sort of playing around with, do we want to use right. Technicolor? Is it a budget thing? Yeah, Is it well, a style thing? It's also a style. I think that's a Frank Capra thing. If I, it's uh, yeah, yeah I, I would agree with that. I think it's also, you know, it's 
you know, it's it's a period piece, so it's looking backwards. That's and, true. And they could have done the the Wizard of Oz thing, where one is in black and white and one is I in guess. color, because they are depicting a different world when yeah. he goes uh, and and sees what the the world is like without him. Which, by the way, I got all pretty much all that right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, all of that has kind of infected me over over. Oh yeah, the that's years. that is exactly the thing that people. This was kind of the first movie that did it. Yeah. And a lot of other movies have stolen that or adapted it. Sure. Let's it, it, see what you would look your life would be like. Concept. Your life would be like if X changed. Yeah. Whether it was you weren't born or if you turned left instead of turning right that mm-hmm. day. Totally. Or you stayed here or you didn't stay here. It's a um, human condition. Like yeah. questioning what the, if? the questioning the decisions that you have or have not made. There's been some very interesting movies and TV shows. That have gone entirely based around that concept. Like, the <laughs> choices you make. There's one on right now, remember? On uh, NBC, that Ordinary Joe thing. What? That guy, Bob Benson from Beloit oh, College. Oh, that, that guy. That guy. <laughs> okay. So there's the guy who was on Mad Men has a TV show where if he made a certain life choice, there's three different paths and they're showing in this TV show what his life would be like. I've not seen it. I don't okay. really care, but that's the concept. And that's kind of drawing from this I, movie. I can't I, think of a movie before this that did it. I thought you were going, <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about the Marvel what if. I mean, we haven't watched that either. We haven't watched that either. But that's the same concept. Like, yeah. what if this happened? That's yeah. what's going on. What yeah, if yeah, yeah. you hadn't been born? Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have been there to save Harry, so Harry would have died. Mm-hmm. Because Harry died, nobody was flying those planes. Which means all those men which died. Which means all the men died in the world in the World War. Right. Uncle Billy went nuts and got locked up into an asylum. Mm-hmm. After his dad died, they closed the building alone, and his mom is some crotchety old woman who runs a boarding house. Yeah. Mary never got married. And she's an old spinster who runs the library. The horror, Trent. (laughs) The horror. She's a plain middle-aged woman. (laughs) Right. Unmarried. Unmarried. Oh, scandal. Uh, But yeah, his kids aren't alive. And, you know, Mr. Gower... Uh, when he was distraught, he swapped out the pills for poison and, uh, George wasn't there to stop him. Mm -hmm. So the kid died. Yeah. So yeah. He got locked up for 20 years. You have to stop. It really makes you stop and think about all the little bitty choices you make in your life Mm -hmm. that have huge ripples. Yeah. And all of these things happen because he wasn't there. Mm Mm-hmm. And it has a tremendous toll on him. And yeah, that section is very dark. Right. And like, he's like going through the town and he's finding, oh, the whole town is nothing but bars and clubs and gambling parlors. And everyone's and really miserable. Everyone's and angry. Yeah, miserable and rude. And just, they're just getting through their day. Yeah. Which is kind of like what it is now. Right. You know? So it's it's all like burlesque clubs and strip clubs. Right, right, right. Casinos and pawn shops. Right. And, you know, Violet's getting locked up and... I don't even know what she was doing. I, I don't know. I think she was like a dancer at a club and was getting in a fight with somebody because they were kind of dragging her out by all her limbs. Right. And she's screaming, I know everybody in this town. I know Mr. Potter. Get your hands off me. Yeah. But yeah, she's kind of got a reputation to begin with. And then well, in this I, world, I said she dur- really has a problem. I, right. And I said during the movie, so is she just the town hussy and everybody knows I it mean, or something? Basically, like they, they bring up uh, when he is having problems and the money goes missing, he goes to Mr. Potter because yeah. he's desperate. Yeah. And he's like, what is it? Mm-hmm. Is it a woman? Everybody knows in town that you've, you've been, been giving, giving her money. money. Yeah. 
and people talk again small town small everybody town. knows everybody's yeah. business yeah yeah and so he's just appalled because he's just trying to help this person right. he's known his whole life. Yeah, and in 1946, you're not going to talk like like that. No. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a big damn scandal. You know, you do anything slightly out of line, it's mm-hmm. a huge scandal. What mm-hmm. what would be considered a, a date these days? <laughs> sure. Like they go, even, even George and Mary, like they go from kind of tiptoeing around their their attraction to each other to immediately getting married because obviously you're not going to date. No. It's like, no, I'm choosing to marry you. Yep. That's it. Cause you've known them your whole life. Yeah. Like, like this, this is good. We'll yeah, do this. We'll do this. Like they, they haven't like gone crazy by the time they're 25. Sure. Go ahead and marry them. Right. What do you think of those two together? I think it fits. Because like you, you pointed out like the first time he sees her at the dance all grown up, it's like this soft focus and oh, she's yeah. made, lit up oh, yeah. very beautifully. The, I, I like that old school soft focus when they're looking at a woman. Yep. Where they're, it's just, she's glowing. She was glowing in this. Yeah. And then of course there's the scene where he's all frustrated and annoyed and he his mom is shoving him into Mary's arms. Like she's a nice girl. Why don't you go talk to her? Right. She's awful nice. She's mm-hmm. here. You know, Sam, well, oh, she Sam just got is back who from, she's dating, yeah. but she doesn't like Sam. She likes you. She lights up like a firefly when you walk <laughs> in the room Yeah, and he's a dick to her. <laughs> but then they get on the phone with Sam and they're so close together yeah. and it's like palpable. Sure. The, the electricity where they're trying not to react to being two inches from each other's faces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And of course, she's encouraging it. Right. She like starts rubbing her hair against his face. Mm-hmm. But she's also like breathlessly trying to continue this phone conversation. Well, she also, before when they were in the parlor, she's like yelling at her mom, saying <laughs> her the phrase. Her busy fra- say- Right. Saying the phrase, he's making violent love to me. <laughs> what is- George Bailey, Jesus. what does he want? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, she- her mom does not like George. No. She wanted her to marry the rich guy in New York, <laughs> which I get it. You I know, get it, yeah. Whose mother wouldn't want you to have a good life, especially if you come from podunk nowhere and you have yeah. no money. Yeah. Yeah. And dad's not around, so mom can't take care of you right, forever. They, yeah, they don't they don't uh, talk about where her where her dad is. I mean, a lot of people just kind of died young in those days. Yeah. Medicine wasn't well, what it is today. And, and one thing that you This had, is like pre-penicillin. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. And I pointed out during the movie th- when when George was young and he's working at the at the store, at the pharmacy. It's 1919. Um, it's 1919. The dude gets a telegram saying that his son died of influenza. What was going on in 1919, guys? I had never thought about that, but of course, I've also never watched this movie in a pandemic. (laughs) Right, right. We all got a history lesson of the last time the world went into a pandemic. Yeah. And yeah, influenza in 1919. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, let's kind of go over some of the beats here. We're not going to go into the entire thing. But like you said in the intro, there's definitely parts of this movie that I've seen referenced elsewhere um, in in various forms. So right at the very beginning, you see these celestial bodies yep. that are lighting up as they're talking. Mm-hmm. That I have seen in pro- at least two or different two different things. Probably The Simpsons. Probably some <laughs> ki- some kind of anime. Well, 
anytime there's any kind of reference to a movie, it's probably The Simpsons. <laughs> right. For me, anyway. For you, the context for how you know it is almost always that. Right. So I've never seen The Godfather, but I could probably point out every single scene in The Godfather because I've watched could, all of their the references in The Simpsons. You could piece it together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so that one I've definitely seen before. Uh, obviously, the very end where everybody's bringing in the money and whatnot. Yep. And when there's a run on the bank, I've seen that depicted in a lot of different forms. Again, also in The Simpsons. Right. Saying, well, your money is over in George's house and Mary's, whoever's yeah. house. Say, and Mo in The Simpsons say, well, why you got my money in your house, Gary? <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've seen these things referenced in a lot of different media. I just happen to think of The Simpsons because that's the it's most usually com- the one. That's usually the one. So. Yeah, I, again, I've seen this movie. I kind of figured more of this would be, like, longer and more impactful, but they're very short scenes. Yeah, so basically, you're getting in an hour, and it's almost to the minute, too. Like, at the beginning of the movie, they say, oh, there's a lot of people down there praying for this guy named George Bailey. Tonight's his pivotal night. We need to yeah. send somebody. Yeah. And Clarence doesn't have his wings. He's his guardian angel. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I've only got an hour to get dressed. And they say, nope, you're going to spend the next hour learning about George Bailey. Yeah. That's approximately how long we spend huh. watching all, right. all of the stuff from when he's right. 12 yeah. to when he's a young adult mm-hmm. to when Harry comes back from college, he gets married, and then to present day, like right. after the war and everything. Yeah, yeah. It takes takes about an hour. <laughs> and I kind of like the fact that it was a longer movie because then you could you could keep piling up all of the different things that you see that George did. Yeah. You were getting invested in this character. Yeah, to 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 help all of these other people who end up helping him. Yes, exactly. You you need to establish why you are supposed to care about mm-hmm. this individual yeah. and why if he kills himself, it's going to be the worst thing that has ever happened. Right. And it's that thing where they set it up immediately. Like these are, it's like God and Joseph and an angel as these stars out in the universe. And the end of the movie is he is rescued by his guardian angel. Mm -hmm. And that is some like serious corny 1940s stuff. Oh, sure. Like you don't really make a whole lot of movies like this today because that's just in retrospect very silly. But then you almost forget because there's kind of a narration in the first section Mm -hmm. and then they get to present day and it stops. So you even had to ask because there's kind of a commentary from Clarence and Mm -hmm. Joseph Mm -hmm. uh, saying, what happened? Here's what happened. Here's what I'm, let's bring it to today. And then we just see today Mm -hmm. unfold. Yeah. And there's no voiceover. So when Clarence shows up on the bridge and you've never seen his face before, right. you're like, who the hell's that guy? Right. He just shows up. <laughs> and he jumps in the water. Right. And I didn't even see him jump in the water. I was too confused by, why is this guy here? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it you almost, you're, you're being told this is the story and it's sort of fantastical, but you get so invested in just watching him live his very normal existence. Uh-huh. uh-huh that you forget something fantastical is about to happen. Right. And and we've reached that pivotal moment that they're talking about. Yep. So. And of course, then everything goes well. Uh, but first they have to show him how bad it really could be. Like, you do sure. not have it as bad as you think you do, buddy. Yeah. Let's go. Well, and what I would also say to that is 
they're not actually talking about how bad it would be for him or anybody else if he died. All they're depicting is how life would have been for everybody yeah. else throughout the rest of your life. Yep, the so, impact you've had. So what you're really seeing is this is how much that you matter, that you have mattered, not how much you will matter. Right. So you can kind of take that as an interpretation that, yeah, eventually you're going to continue to do more good things for these people. Mm -hmm. They're going to be better off because you're here and you yourself will not necessarily be better off. Right. But everybody else will. So that's that's kind of where I'm getting from what I'm getting from that. Um, so maybe that's less of a convincing factor yeah, <laughs> in well, him not doing this, but still, it's, yeah. I well, and it. it's like, in 1946, this was kind of the modern take for the time of A Christmas Carol. It totally is. Because A Christmas Carol, you get the past, the present, and the future. Right. He's only getting... The past. The present, basically, but an alternate present. It's an alternate present by changing the past. Yes, we yeah, get yeah. the past. Yeah. But nobody else gets it. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't get to see the future. He just gets to see a version of the present. Right. So, yeah, that's kind of an interesting take. Uh, well, we touched it, talked about it in the beginning. So, um, Lionel Barrymore is the yeah. actor who plays Potter. Mr. Potter. Mm -hmm. And I was looking it up to confirm the relationship because obviously in our generation the person yes. we all know is drew barrymore uh, of course and she is 100 percent related to the this family okay uh they were one of the major acting families in the early 1900s in the golden age of cinema yeah and i kind of figured i had heard at one point that drew barrymore was some kind of relation to some old Hollywood things. I just didn't know how. Yep. So there was Ethel Barrymore, who is the sister of Lionel Barrymore. And I'm forgetting the other one, but I think it's the other one who is actually her direct line. Hmm. So this man, Lionel, is her great uncle. Okay. So not very far removed at all. Sure. Um, but I was reading about him in particular uh, to confirm that. And it said, first of all, he actually was in a wheelchair. Mm. This isn't just a part he's playing. Okay. He actually had some health problems, and they wrote his roles in several movies to accommodate this, huh. which, again, in 1946 is kind of earth-shattering. Sure, you don't really get, this see that depicted. 50 years before the ADA passed. Sure, well. <laughs> and, and you didn't really see people with disabilities depicted on screen at all. You really didn't. Uh, but then again... At this time, polio was still a real bad thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I didn't know that until today that... He's not just playing a character who's yeah. an old man in a wheelchair. He actually was in a wheelchair. Yeah. I also read, this is the man who invented the boom mic. Okay. All right. <laughs> Things I didn't know until an hour ago. Huh. All right. I, I just like the concept of it or like a technical readout. Did he get that? I, I literally just said, invented the boom mic. <laughs> okay. That's how involved in Hollywood they were in these days. I guess. You know, the... The people who were acting did more than just act because the technology evolved with them in the time. You know, when when he and his family started, it was silent movies. Sure. And then they needed to find a way to Yeah, you didn't need to pick things. Yeah, you didn't need to pick sound. up anything. Uh-huh. So it actually kind of makes sense. Somebody who is on the ground is usually the person who's going to think of it. Yeah. Well, how about if you put that microphone on a big stick? <laughs> who's got the best upper arm strength in here? You? All right. Come hold this stick. Don't get it in the shot. And don't get it in the shot. <laughs> You're totally going to get it in the shot, aren't you? You useless maybe that's, man. <laughs> maybe that's why they changed it to widescreen later. 
Maybe. Because the then the aspect ratio would change. The the frame that you're shooting is still the same, but the frame that goes on TV and, and on, on the screens is different. So you cut off the top, you cut off the bottom, <laughs> and call it good. Well, yeah, and that, this is definitely an interesting watch because it is that smaller ratio. Yeah. They didn't do the this division widescreen, mm-hmm. whatever you call them, until the 50s. Yeah, this is still 4 by 3 all, everything nowadays is 16 by yeah. 9. But this is why this is a good one to show on TV because you don't have to edit anything. True. It just fits. Yeah. You can see the whole thing as it was intended. As it was filmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other things I could tell you about this movie. Uh, there's a lot of snow in the end of this movie. They actually had to invent a new kind of snow for filming this. Fake snow. Fake snow. Yeah. Uh, because before this, uh, what they tended to use was asbestos. Ah. <laughs> Somewhere along the way. I don't think they had figured out uh, that asbestos was bad. Or maybe this is asbestos. All I know is they invented new snow for this movie. So they had to have a lot of it. They had to have a lot. Well, and even I, I noticed right after he crashed his car into the tree, like the snow, quote unquote, on the car looked really kind of haggard and didn't look right. Yeah, it's very huge flakes. Yeah, and like when we got to the present day and Harry's got, and when they're looking at the the paper with Harry getting the Medal of Honor, the cars on the street, they look like they were like sprayed with snow. Yes. Like it was spray painted. Yes. (laughs) Maybe it was asbestos. (laughs) Maybe it was. So it it looked pretty bad, but you know, I, I get it. But yeah, you're right. All that snow really did look weird. Yeah, but they I know it was invented specifically for this movie. Oh, some other fun little nuggets. I pointed this out to you. So they go to a high school dance. Yeah. And there's a big scene where they're having like a Charleston competition and they make a comment that George uh, made the suggestion. They were building a new building. Yeah. And they put the gymnasium basically over a pool. So they Mm -hmm. have a big mechanical floor that opens and closes to cover up the pool. And it saved them a lot of uh, extra money and another building. Yeah, they didn't have to build a gymnasium separate from what they already had. Yep. So the person who... So somebody is there who was trying to ask Mary to dance and she got... He got the boot because she went to go dance with George. Sure. And he's standing there. The freckly guy. The freckly guy. And somebody comes along and says, did you know there's a pool under this floor? Did you further know that that button over there opens the floor? Did you lastly know George is dancing <laughs> on the crack? The guy who turns the key, the freckly guy, is the original alfalfa from the R gang shorts in tw- in the 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. I think the 30s. Uh, but here he's all grown up. He had a very, very short career. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. He died a horrible death. He was like, I don't know if he killed himself or he was murdered. I heard that. I think he might have gotten murdered. <laughs> uh, but he had a very short life and a very small career after R gang. He was kind of a huge star in the 20s and 30s. Yeah. And then he went and basically got nowhere. Hmm. And I know him from two things. And it's this, where he actually has lines and he is seen on screen. Mm -hmm. And in White Christmas, another Christmas movie, he is Freckleface Haynes the dog face boy. What? (laughs) That's what they call him. Oh, God. Is he actually credited like that? So his name is Benny Haynes. But because they were in the army and guys are horrible, they nicknamed him Freckleface Haynes the dog face boy. (laughs) Guys are horrible. And he's only shown in a picture. 
he is not actually in the movie. Oh, man. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's just his picture. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I have a recent snapshot. And they sort of look at him and cringe. Jeez. <laughs> oh, and that's it. Those are the only things I know him from outside of playing Alfalfa. Right. And you you get famous from a role like that. It's going to be hard to get a career. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Doesn't Especially what in those days, child stars in those days mm-hmm. were treated like terribly. Right. Terribly. Judy Garland, all of her problems later in life stemmed from being a child star who oh, was horribly totally. mistreated. Totally. They would give them uppers to make them work longer, mm-hmm. then they'd give them downers to make them sleep, and they'd run through this cycle and they'd just yep. fuck them all up. No child like labor 14. laws, and all the parents are getting all that money. Yeah. So. Spe- speaking of laws and things, this was also a movie that was made during the uh, the Hayes Code. Oh. Did you notice that uh, when they're kissing, they're just sort of shoving their faces together? Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's usually when you notice it is with kissing because nobody has their mouths open. They just awkwardly press their faces together. <laughs> they have to be very careful about how they kiss on screen. Um. Oh, here's another one I thought of. So there's definitely a scene from this movie that you have seen before, but probably didn't realize that's what you were watching because I certainly didn't. In the original Home Alone. (laughs) You have my attention. They fly to Paris, right? So they're in Paris Mm -hmm. and they are watching a movie on TV, but it's all in French. Yeah. And it's the scene where George is yelling at Mrs. Welch, the teacher, on the phone. Right. But they're all dubbed over in French. Okay. And I didn't know as a kid that what they were watching was It's a Wonderful Life. All right. All right. So that was probably the first time I actually saw any clips from this movie. But I had no idea what the movie was until I grew up and watched it. I was like, wait a second. That's that movie from Home Alone. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. This movie is referenced in a lot of places. Like, a lot. Even if it's just on TV at the holidays, that's somewhere it shows yeah. up a lot. Uh, another reference. Now, you, we talked about this when we actually did the episode. There's a scene in the movie Up. In the movie Up? Yes. When they're kids and they find the old abandoned house. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. When they find the old abandoned house and it's all run down and they go in there and start exploring. Mhm. It's directly from this movie. Absolutely. Where they're 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 walking back to wherever they're going after the dance at the at the at the gymnasium and they're all wet with uh, after they jumped in the pool and that was a good scene. I like that. And they come across this old abandoned house and George like gets a rock and it's like going to throw it at the house because everybody knows that that's just an abandoned house. Nobody's there. Who cares? Yeah. Throw a rock and make a wish. Yeah. Break yeah. some glass. Right. And I don't think they actually do any of that in Up, but no, at the very least. No, it's their playhouse. It's yeah. Their, their clubhouse. And in that movie, they end up doing what they do here. They buy it after they get married, and they start fixing it up, and that's where they live. Yep, and they make it their happy little home. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, that I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. We did bring that up during mm-hmm. Up. Mm-hmm. It's funny how I think about those things when I'm watching a different movie. Sure. But it doesn't click when I'm watching the original source Right, material. right, right, right. So, yeah, you're right. This movie is just reference to hell. It's... it's w- Subtle or major, like, sure. obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... I think it it does deserve the title of a classic 
because it's pretty damn timeless. It really is. There's it's very, it's, very few dated things in this movie. No, it's mostly very human themes, very relatable themes. Yeah. I relate to George Bailey. I grew up in a small town. 100%. And when you're a kid and you want to get out into the world and see yeah. what there is to see. Yeah. And then life keeps getting in the way. All these obstacles just yeah. keep getting in your way, like having money and talent and <laughs> knowledge. Yeah, he's very smart. He's very capable, but he feels very smothered and trapped. Mm -hmm. And that sucks. But then he realizes that... you gotta that, find that silver lining. Yeah, that it's not all so bad. Like, when he's presented with the opportunity to never see his wife or kids again, all yeah. of a sudden he's like, oh, fuck this. This is... No, no, we're good. Right. We good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's running through the streets screaming Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas, you wonderful old building in love. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets home and everybody starts dumping cash on the table. Yeah. And his little daughter is there saying every time the bell rings an angel gets its wings uh -huh. at which point my tears are streaming <laughs> down my face i don't know if you looked over but pretty no. much that entire time i'm just like it's so it's also my happy. favorite part of that scene is like it looks like there's like an fbi guy <laughs> or like some federal agent there with a with an arrest warrant yep <laughs> for George, this man. George, I've got a little piece of paper here. Oh, yes, yes. That's oh. just my, my arrest warrant. I get that. I'll bet it's but I'm going to go and see my daughter and make sure that she's feeling okay. Oh, but that's a warrant for my arrest. I'm going to jail. Isn't it great? Isn't it great? <laughs> yeah, and he hugs. Where's Mary? He hugs his kids and he kisses his wife and he's running down up and down the stairs and he's yeah. got children clamoring all over him <laughs> and he's laughing and full of joy and the entire town comes in. Yeah. and you know even like his the guy, brother shows up his brother shows up they got a hold of his friend who's very wealthy in london who says we're wiring you twenty five thousand mm -hmm. dollars and the housekeeper from when he grew up comes in and everybody he's ever given a loan yeah. to and right. every single person from that community like mr martini i busted the jukebox <laughs> <laughs> you're just dumping money on the table yeah all for him mm -hmm. and he's so aghast and just smiling right and how can you not get emotional watching <laughs> that because it just you know like there's a book that appears and it's the adventures of tom sawyer and clarence has signed it and it's my very no, good friend no man is poor who has friends yeah and they toast him to my big brother George, the richest man in town. And I'm just like, oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, this one makes me cry. Uh, I don't know if it makes me cry every time. I think as I get older, it's getting more frequent. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just in general. I, I get emotional about more things than I ever used to. Yeah, and it just makes me think of like all the people in my life who... I love and love me. Yeah, and who would be there for who, you? You know, if, if something bad happened, yeah. who like would come out of the woodwork and just be there? Right. And it doesn't have to, like in his situation, it's not like everybody's giving him thousands of dollars. They're giving him like, here's two, here's five, here's 12, the, whatever the, I've got lying yeah, around. The scene I really liked was after he does his little speech after the run on the bank, he's talking to everybody individually saying, well, how much do you need? I need $242. Well, do you really need that? I need $242 or whatever it is. Yep. So that that's that one guy. And the next guy says, I need $200. Say, well, do you really need it? Can you just wait till How six, six for, days? Dude, please yeah, just talk come to on. me like a human. Okay, okay, I can get by with 20. 
Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yes. And then it's the like, next woman, 1750. <laughs> and then he kisses her. <laughs> like just low balling the number. Yeah. Like, and, you know, it doesn't seem like a lot of money, but that was a lot of money. It was a lot of money. $17 bought you a lot for a week. And $242 might be somebody's entire life savings. Yeah. Yeah, and their money isn't in the bank. Yeah. And of course, what Mr. Potter's trying to do is get their shares so he is the mm -hmm. sole owner, basically, or the majority shareholder. Right. So, he so can that he shut can close this, this competition down. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, him saying to everybody, say, oh, no, you don't need any paperwork. I, I know you. I trust you. Yeah. Oh, that closes my account. That's a loan. Your account's still open. Your account's still open here. Don't we're worry not, about it. We're not shutting this relationship don't down. Don't worry about it. Yeah. 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 It just, it makes me think of a lot of familiar things, like growing up in a small town and knowing everybody and everybody mm -hmm. knows you yeah. and they all know your parents or your grandparents and, you know, living up to other people, which is a lot of expectation sometimes, sure. but also that, that feeling of there's a support system there mm -hmm. and your life isn't always so bad. You might resent it. You might regret choices you made. Yeah. But also, your life isn't so bad if you stop and think about it. If you really just appreciate everything you have for a minute. Yeah. And isn't that the true spirit of Christmas, Betsy? <laughs> it's a wonderful life, Trent. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yes. But you get, you get it now you've I seen do, this. I do. I do. You understand why people like watching this one, why it's a Christmas Eve classic in particular. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. watch this one on Christmas Eve. And the fact that people call it a Christmas movie... It's barely a Christmas movie because just because the ending just happens to fall on Christmas or Christmas so, Eve. So many it, of these are, though. <laughs> yeah. Again, who, who the hell cares? It's more the sentiment around it yeah. more than anything else. And that's what actually makes it a Christmas movie. Yeah. It's, it is the a sentiment top, around a it. A top tier, certainly. Absolutely. Yeah. This movie is nothing if it is not sentimental. Yeah. And it does that without being like totally saccharine and really trying to like poke you and say, oh, you're going to cry now, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> cry, you little babies. I'm going to manipulate your emotions. <laughs> well, they did it. It worked. <laughs> I've been manipulated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Betsy. I think that's it. Uh, we got no emails today, but I want to hear from you guys. Please email us your thoughts about this movie. Is there another like all-time classic Christmas movie that we missed? We have one more left to go. It is not going to be a movie like this for sure. We've done sentiment and now we're doing something else entirely. <laughs> yes. It is going to be a movie that neither of us have seen. I wanted to watch it forever. I hear it's pretty damn good. So, But you yes, got to wait for the next you episode You got to wait until that. Sunday. We're done with Spidey Sunday. Yep. So Sunday will be our final holiday show. And then, um, what is it? The, what, the next Wednesday, we're going to be back to doing whatever the hell we're doing. That's so, right. Uh, yes, Betsy, we're done. Email us at neverseenitpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, neverseenit underscore pod. And again, I'm going to keep on saying it till I'm done saying it. If you want to support us, great. If not, tell all your friends about us, retweet us, share it on your, on your, all your walls and whatnot. Get the word out. It's a cool podcast. You're cool people. And so are we. Support doesn't have to be financial. <laughs> Yes, indeed. So. so that's it. That's It's a Wonderful Life. We've got one more Christmas movie to go. In the meantime, this has been Never Seen It. I've been Betsy. And I'm always Trent. And we thank you for your time and for listening. Happy holidays. Bye.